Shank Bagley. Shank Bagley. Shank Bagley. Hello and welcome to Shatbagley, an old Lincolnshire adjective to describe absolutely anything loose and disorderly, which sums up this Lincolnshire lass quite nicely. Coming up, we'll hear how a teddy bear can change a child's life, find out how we can make a quick pickle, and chat Bake Off with a quarter finalist from Series 5. First though, with it being episode 12, here are a few other things with the same number. Letters in the Hawaiian alphabet. Square kilometres of Africa always covered in ice and the most stripper trousers worn and removed in one minute. I'm guessing it's the Velcro assisted ones as seen in the film The Full Monty as we went bowling on my hen night. Hope you've had a good week. I can still walk after my first attempt at Zumba and yes I will be going back again. It was okay. Yeah, it was a mixed group of ladies, all um, all ages, some young'uns and a few hot flushes and, and not all caused by exercising, I suspect. Time to chat with my first guest. And it's welcome back to Chef Darren Bale with an easy recipe for a quick pickle. Darren spent many years working in fine dining restaurants in London and across the country winning many accolades. But now, away from the kitchen, he's growing his own fruit and veg and enjoying every minute of it. I'm in my mid-50s now, see. I've got to do something else other than chasing chefs around kitchens and trying to put food out. And I find a good interest in growing stuff, like, um, you know, all the seasonal things. So I've been thinking about what I could do during midsummer with these ingredients. And the easiest thing is to, um, is to pickle. And do quick pickling is my idea for a recipe. So as you're cooking, say, for instance, you put your tomatoes into a hot oven, 200 degrees, and get them all charred up with a bit of olive oil and thyme and some garlic, with the thought of putting some soft cheese, some nice chosen local soft cheese you'd melt on later, um, just as a sort of a middle-of-the-road salad-y type accompaniment to some meat or fish or whatever. And then I thought, well, you've got all this lovely produce coming out, really tasty from the garden, You've got radishes and you've got your carrots coming out and we're doing rainbow carrots with all different colours and you've got your courgettes, yellow courgettes, green courgettes. You've got um, kale we can crisp up in the oven as well. So I thought to go along with that is to take a a peeler and um, and make lot ribbons with the uh, carrots and slice up things very, very thinly and just knock up a, a quick pickle. So if you've got an old jam jar, just chuck in there a couple of tablespoons of honey Half a jam jar of white wine vinegar or chosen vinegar or sherry vinegar. You can throw in there any aromats you wanted. So if you're a keen garlic person, then chuck a load of garlic in if you love thyme. Put all these things in to infuse in the pickle. So as you're cooking your stuff on the stove, you just get your pickling vinegar. You slice up your vegetables, put it in a little bowl, put it to one side. Chuck in your ingredients, let them all steep in the in the pickling vinegar. And then um, by the time your main dish is cooked you've got the tomatoes all nice and coloured and the cheese is all melted amongst it and you've got your basil all pickled or you know picked across the top add that on the top for a nice little bit of uh, sweet and sour of it all yeah uh, always when you think of pickling it, it's got to be for a while but no yeah. it doesn't no if you do it thin enough the vegetables thin enough sorry you know it will take on some vinegar and it gives it a little bit of sparkle mm. um and plus you've got these lovely fresh vegetables coming out of the garden so you think straight away for carrots boiling them or roasting them or something like that 
just keep them as they are and you know pick them young pick all them whole leave them in all day maybe if you're gonna yeah. if, you're, if you're using them bigger but um it was just a quick and easy way of 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 cooking and and being a little bit more adventurous really have you ever had pickled turnip it's beautiful i've just planted a load of seeds oh. so i've literally planted my seeds now because that will come up and then I'll put them in the ground. They won't be ready, obviously, till the end of or beginning of autumn, autumn time. So, um, yeah, I'll have a go at that. <laughs> I shall pick them as baby turnips, I think, and oh, yeah. uh, and get going with them. Yeah. Yeah. So, how's your year gone for growing? Have you enjoyed <clears throat> doing it? Oh, it's been crazy because of the weather. I'm enjoying the way you know getting things to uh, germinate and things to grow. Don't forget, I'm a chef, and I've been locked up in the kitchen for uh, uh, nearly forty years, and. Um, now I'm outside. I'm really enjoying that sort of space and the and coming at food from another angle is the way to say it. I'm really like enjoying the courgette plants. They're huge <laughs> and only tiny little seed when it started, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, this is just so enjoyable. And I regret not doing this earlier. We did a little bit with the cookery school, but um, not on the scale I'm doing it now. And um, no, it's it's interesting, and of course everything tastes so much different. Mm. You know, when you're absolutely doing it from scratch, you know, you're cutting down the road miles and everything. It's it's amazing what you can do, and you can do it in any space. You don't need loads and loads of space. And what I can get out of a small area is amazing. You do realise there's going to be a conversation that you and I have at some stage when you'll go, oh, if I see another courgette. The kids are already going home now, not another cause yet. (laughs) Cheers to Darren for his quick pickle and some nice ideas too dotted in there. I'd love to grow veg again. I think if we did, um, I'd have to definitely go down the raised bed route. Staying with veg, I found a lovely book from the 1940s. It's called 250 Ways to Serve Fresh Vegetables and produced by the Culinary Arts Institute. And interestingly, talking of turnips earlier, Turnip tops are listed in the book as being high in calcium, iron and manganese. A superfood then. Think I need that raised bed? Now an incredible story and totally unrelated to food, but thought you would like to hear about the Teddy Trust. A Herefordshire charity founded by Ellie Somme in 2012, after Ellie reached out to a most remarkable woman. That was Judy Westwater, who'd written two books about her life. She was abused very badly, and she ended up in Johannesburg in South Africa, being dumped on the streets by her dad when she was eight. So she was raped and lived in a box, you know, behind McDonald's. And she swore that when she came back to England, she would make a difference to children, street kids in South Africa, because they have a very bad time. And uh, she did, so she set up a charity, the Pegasus Children's Trust, and rescued children off the streets in South Africa and saved them, really, and gave them an education. It was a charity founded with Rotary International. And she came, I read her books and got in touch with her, and she came and bought photos of the children that she'd saved. And one was a little girl, and she was looking very lost and lonely. She was about six, and I said, what happened to her? And she told me they'd found her under a table in a cafe and she was so badly damaged from the abuse she'd had that she couldn't walk or talk or go to the toilet. And um, they called her honour. She couldn't talk, so they didn't know how old she was, but she was about six. And I thought, what can I do for this little girl? You know, here I am in lovely England. And I thought, well, I send £20, that will probably disappear into school bags or whatever. 
So I thought she needs a teddy bear. And so I sent her a teddy bear. And Judy said that teddy bear goes with her everywhere for every operation that she's had. Never leaves her side. She still doesn't talk and she's got AIDS now, but she's been adopted. And her teddy bear is there with her all the time. So I started sending more and more and working with Rotary International over there. And that was how it started, really. Yeah, through through little honour. Oh, bless. Yeah. And, and you still keep in touch then to know that honour's still... Honour's still fine. She's been adopted and she's fine. Um, but she'll never be right, mm. you know, because of what she suffered. But te the teddy bear made a huge difference to her. So we send a lot of our teddy bears go to South Africa to um, the hospital forensic units. They use them there for the children. And the police rape crisis centres use them. And they go to about I think it's about 17 countries that we send to now Syria we did 45,000 to Syria over three years and then we've done um, we still do South Africa a lot to them every year uh, Kurdistan with the children from the Yazidi community who escaped ISIS or some of them didn't escape ISIS and they're still in refugee camps thousands of children so we send to them and we sent to the Greek uh, camps, you know, when they had the camps there for the Syrian children coming over and uh, Romania, all sorts of places, mm. yeah. power of a teddy. Oh, the power of a teddy is extraordinary. But we don't see them as toys. They are there to do a job. Mm. And that's why we say teddy bears only, because they, are, they bring comfort to a child. You know, if a child is hurt, you can't give them a plastic toy or a car or... A, you know some sort of game you give them a teddy bear and that's what comforts them so that's what we're sending is is comfort for for damaged lost children who are in a really bad place and their lives are pretty bleak you know and as you said this was over 11 12 years ago mm. and we're still having to send teddies so mm. nothing's got any better has no it? ukraine we're sending to at the moment you know so no it hasn't and it it, it seems to get worse but we've found a way to bring a, a bit of comfort to these children and we get photographs back yeah. of the children and it's just lovely it, it warms our heart and it's a lovely thing to do and we've got children in this country who are donating something quite precious they're not giving money we, we get money from donations and, and people raising money for us but we're not asking for money when you send us your teddy bear we're asking for a lovely clean cuddly soft teddy bear and that has such immense power for the children that we send it to because you know. it's a local based charity mm. to where we are which when you think this is worldwide and it's little old Herefordshire that's coming out of yeah. you must feel very proud of that but I've seen pictures of children who are quite happy to to let a child have their precious teddy bear yeah so that again it's that's just beautiful well it is because also i mean we go into schools and talk to them about it um and we can say look you know find a teddy bear that you perhaps don't want anymore he's perhaps sitting on the shelf with 10 others and if you give it a hug and put it in the tub and we'll send it for you and that will that will go to a child who's got nothing hasn't got what you've got and they really take that on board and it's we're getting to children's emotions and their understanding how they can help with a very simple gift that actually is quite precious to them and sometimes the children take a while to give us their teddy bears and we never we never ever say oh you must give us your teddy bear you give it to us when you're ready if you're ready and um, you know and they we have a lot of people sending their children when they've grown up 
oh, you know, we've we've talked to our children, they're all ready to give up their teddy bears and, you know, or people who've collected teddy bears over the years and maybe they've died and, you know, the, the family wants to give us the teddy bears and they love that because they can see the teddy bears having another lovely life where they're really useful and they're really bringing comfort into to children's lives you know and we also send little knitted jumpers now I don't know if you know Aww. about that well we we started about six months ago because somebody sent a lovely little knitted jumper we put it on a teddy and those we put them on the teddies that we send and they go into the camps and for instance Kurdistan is very cold in the winter and they can use those jumpers on newborn babies oh, wow. so it doesn't cost us anything and people who want to knit for us we say well we don't take knitted teddy bears but we have a, a knitting pattern on our website and they can download that and we get hundreds and bonnets and little booties oh. and they all go on the teddy bears and of course they go through customs so we don't <laughs> have to pay anything for it but it's a lovely way for us to be able to get something for the babies mm. and we've got photographs coming back we've got a photograph on the website at the moment of a little baby in South Africa in a hospital wearing one of our jumpers oh. with a teddy bear beside her you know and that's lovely too so it's just a little sideline that we can do you know so when you started this it was you mm. how many folk are involved now we've got four trustees and a chairman and then we've got about half a dozen volunteers who come some some don't come for months and then they come for something I suppose there's a hardcore of about five of us that do it and but they're all incredibly dedicated and we have a lot of fun Katie because you know the boxes arrive and we unpack them and there's a lovely group of soft fluffy clean teddy bears with a letter these belong to my mum and I know she would have loved you to have them and that gives us so much and we have a cuddle with these teddy bears and we we hold them up oh look at this and we have the teddy bear of the day we always have a photo of the teddy bear of the day and they're all so different they're all special and thousands we've sent about 145,000 so far and I can honestly say that most of them are they're all different that you know people aren't sending hundreds of the same and uh, yeah they go you know and companies give us their seconds and things like that and we take those you know so they arrive at you at this little hardcore group you unpack you have a teddy bear of the day they then go in storage so which you have done with a local company they allow you to have part of their their area yeah because you must have to store a lot because you can't just send one or two at a time you've got to send because you have to pay as well for the transport yeah, yeah. how many do you send at a time in a load um, well a pallet will take nearly 500 so we'll send two pallets out once a fortnight um so it's about a thousand that go out once a fortnight so what we, uh, and people have said, look, I don't want my teddy bear to be in storage for long. And the most they stay with us is three weeks, and then they're gone. Gosh. Sometimes quite quicker than that. Um, and then we raise money through people donating online, Teddy Trust, and there's a CAF button there, uh, Charities Aid Foundation, which is a safe webs uh, website you can donate through. And all the money we collect in, all the money that's donated is is used for shipping. None of us get paid, we're all volunteers. So nobody gets paid, no big cars or anything like that. Um, and all our boxes are recycled, so everything, you know, is, and the, our rejects are taken away by a lovely chap who comes and takes them and gives them to local charity shops. So nothing is ever wasted and nothing is thrown away. And, um, but we do ask for clean teddy bears, please, because some people send them a bit dirty and we have to wash them and we haven't got the, the facilities to wash. Thank you to Ellie from the Teddy Trust.
And next week, another pallet of Teddy Heroes is heading to South Africa. We wish them a safe passage. If you would like to know more, the website is teddytrust.org.uk and Ellie has kindly sent a few pictures which I shall put on Shat Bagley's Instagram and Facebook pages. And the lady who inspired Ellie, her name again is Judy Westwater. I don't think I told you, but as well as going to Zumba last week, Glyn and I went to see the music legend, that is, Mr Niall Rogers. I know! He and uh, his band Chic played at our medieval Ludlow Castle, can you believe? Little old Ludlow, rain the whole time. Had to peel our clothes off when we got home, but wow, was it worth it. The music, oh, lots of memories, singing along. Uh, Favourites, I think, well, definitely thinking of you. I, oh, I was singing it all the way up to it. Thinking of you and the things you do, that one. Lost in music and, yeah, good times. Danced the whole time. Um, but the problem was, because I hadn't been long since Zumba, I was perhaps not as loose um, as normal. Time to put, <laughs> time to talk Bake Off and a contestant from 2014 and also the New Year special in 2019. Kate Henry, now a chef and ceramic artist, won Star Baker and made it to the quarterfinals on what I think was one of my favourite series. Lots of people say that. I think it's because it was so dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> How many years ago now is that? I think it's nine. I, uh, yeah, I think it's nine years. Good grief. Where's <laughs> that gone? I know. So you retrained as a chef. So you are a chef, but you also do ceramics. I have to say it looks stunning, the, your pieces. Oh, thank you. I, 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 yes, I do both. I sort of do them alongside each other, which is really nice. Yeah. How do you have time? I don't say yes to all the chef work now. I did for a while, and um, and now I'm life is a bit slower, a bit more easy, and so I only pick the jobs that I really want to do, mm. <laughs> which means that it frees me up for a bit of pottery. So I have my own studio at home, which is lovely. Wow! And a kiln, and yeah, it's lovely. It's. Uh, I think it comes with age, the ability to say the word no. You might be right. I had a, a couple of very life-changing things that happened to me that, that helped that decision. Yeah. I was ever so sorry to hear about Flem. You were Thank together you. how long? Because you were... Seven years. Yeah. Bless you. And you just got engaged and... oh Yeah. How are you doing now? You know, really good. Because I've just... Oh, it's so hard to say really good because it doesn't... It sounds like I'm making it up but I'm not I actually am really good so I have lots of sadness but alongside that lots of joy which is a good place to be mm. like you can't you can't forget it's happened but um but you can choose to live happily and joyfully and I and I'm lucky enough to be able to do that which is nice. Yeah, well, that's good to hear. Because it was a bit of a crappy time, really, wasn't it? 20, was it 2020, you had COVID, Flem. Yeah. And dear yeah. Louis, we lost Louis that year as well. Well, same day as Flem, actually. Was it the same? How weird's that? Yeah. Oh, Kate, I hadn't yeah. appreciated that. I wasn't quite capable of taking it all in on the at the time. But um, so it, yeah, it's... It was a, it's very sad. It's very sad. Poor Louis. He he battled with with his cancer for a couple of years and um, yeah, Poor Louis. Yeah, same day. How weird is that? 
Whew. But as you say, you're in you're in a good place, which is I am. Yeah, I am in a good yeah. place. Yeah. So, what's day to day life like then, Kate? Because you're obviously chatting to me, and it's uh, in the morning. So yeah, what a what's... well. I've just taken the dog for a walk. Yes. <laughs> um, well, I know I get. I'm quite an early riser, so I get quite a lot of things done first thing. Today, I have I have already thrown a couple of pots. Oh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, which is nice, and um, not across the room. <laughs> not across the room, no. On a, on a wheel. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm sort of moving that on. I'm working in just porcelain at the moment, which is a slightly trickier medium um, than stoneware, which is what I've used before. And um, yeah, I, do, I am really enjoying it. I'm doing single firing, which means that you only fire them once, whereas normal pottery, you fire it and then you glaze it and then you fire it again. Ah. And so this is all the way through one fire and no glaze, which is, yeah, it's quite a nice thing to do. It's, I have to say, it's something I've always wanted to do, pottery. It really oh, is. Oh, do it, do it. Yeah. It's helped me so much over difficult times. Just it, it doesn't allow you to be anything else than mind very mindful because if you're not especially throwing because if you're not sort of concentrating on what's in front of you 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 can't do it <laughs> no what yeah. was the first thing you made do you remember uh yes and i still got it it's a it was a a little jug which i thought was amazing at the time and i look at it now and think oh dear it's incredibly <laughs> thick bottomed heavy but it doesn't it doesn't um it pours well, which is unbelievable. It's a happy accident. <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact it looks like a jug and behaves like a, ju like a jug. <laughs> it's, about, it's about that big. <laughs> that tiny, tiny, tiny. But, um, yeah, it's fun to do. Because originally you were trained, training as an actress. Do you ever go back to that, Kate? Or is that just a, a yeah, closed I, door? I do think about it a lot and I find going to theatre sometimes quite difficult because I so want to be on stage but I don't know whether it's a chasing of a dopamine hit or I'm not totally sure why I loved it I, I did love it for years and years and years and did a drama degree and then went into acting for a few years but it's a, it's a tricky industry it's a very tricky industry and, and you end up not making very much money so that you take a part-time job. What happened to me is I sort of took a part-time job and they kept saying, do you want to work full-time? No, 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 no. I, I, I'm going to be an actress, definitely. <laughs> and, um, and then eventually you say, okay, well, I'll, I'll do it for a couple of years. And then you end up, you know, working in a different industry than you ever imagined. You, I was in advertising for a few years and for 10 years. And, um, and it was brilliant fun, but I was rubbish at it. <laughs> rubbish. Yeah. But, but you lasted 10 years. You must have kind of been that I bad. To pull, it, was, it was in the, the 90s, so it was um, a time where, 90s and early 2000s, and it was a time where it was very, very sociable, lots of lunchtime drinking, and that suited me perfectly at the time. So I could pull the wool over anyone's eyes over lunch. <laughs> But then while you're doing ad after advertising, a, kind of a creative side, which acting is creative, but then it was the practical creativity. Was it upholstery? Yeah. Now you don't... I've literally had about 15 careers. Actually, ludicrous. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. So I left advertising, worked for a big agency and then a smaller design agency for quite a few years. And then 
didn't feel right. I my the last ad I did was for selling sweets in the days where you could do television advertising to children. And I I was on this shoot in Madrid and it all sounds really wonderful, but literally you're in inside a studio, a dark studio most of the time. And I remember having a conversation with the the owner of the company that we were doing the advert for, and he, he said, it's absolutely fine. And it's actually almost healthy because it's completely fat free. It was like a hundred percent sugar in color. And I just thought, oh, I'm in the, I can't do this anymore. Oh no. So I, I literally left really soon after that. That day was like, okay, this is, I can't do this. Yeah. Were you baking at that time then, Kate? Or did that come later? I've always dabbled. And I, I've always made stuff, but I've never really followed recipes, mm. which is, I think, where you gain quite a lot of, you get you gain experience from making loads of mistakes, which is what I did. I did years of not really following recipes very well. I was like, oh, it'd be all right. I'll just use that. And so, I mean, not being afraid to not follow recipes, but that does end in disaster a lot of the time. <laughs> but you learn really quickly. You know, you get the odd happy accident and then... And you learn from that, but mostly you learn from creating absolute shambolic uh, pastries and cakes. <laughs> <laughs> so what on earth were you doing applying for Bake Off then? Whose idea was that? Not mine. <laughs> not mine. I'm not shy, but I'm definitely not, not somebody who likes to be in the middle of the attention. Uh, I, I don't. I don't love that. And I sort of did know that at the time, but I, cut, I was baking quite a few cakes and making cakes in the shape of things just for fun. And um, and a few of my friends were like, you really should go and bake. I was like, I'm really not. I, it's not my thing. It's too, I, I can't do, no way. And then a friend just kept sending me the application form and she just sent it every day for <laughs> a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, I'll just fill it in. I'll just fill it in. It doesn't matter. I'll just fill it in. So I filled it in really not very, I didn't do a very good job. I really don't think I did a very good job. Anyway, literally the next day I got a phone call from a production assistant at um, Love Productions. And I, I had a phone call for about 45 minutes where she asked me loads, of, she was really nice. She asked me loads of questions. And and I, at the end of the call, I just sort of said, oh, actually, I don't, I don't really think this is for me. I, I don't want to waste your time or anything, but it's not really, I don't really want to do it. And I just, I think maybe there are other people who want it more than I do. And she, she said, um, oh God, don't worry about that. You probably won't get in anyway. It's like millions of applicants. Just, why don't you just carry on and just see what happens? And I thought, oh, okay, now I'll just do that. And then, yeah, ended up walking through the tent door <laughs> after, after quite a lot of interviews. And you sort of get into the zone and you, you know, once you pass each bit, and there are a lot of aspects to it as you as you know I'm, I'm sure you've heard a million times lots of baking on camera and interviews and they ring up all your family and your work and everything they kind of go through everything and and every time you get through a stage you sort of want to get to the next stage yeah. but you I didn't really think about what it really meant I don't think until I was walking through the tent door thinking oh oh no what I'm was here. I thinking yeah yeah do you yeah. think then at that stage there might have been, I don't know, a character inside you, bearing in mind you trained as an actress and wanted to be an actress, and you're not good as yourself, so were you playing somebody else a bit, do you reckon? <laughs> you know what? Um, no. 
everybody i all of my friends said you were exactly like you are there was good like they yeah so there was a few people when i watched it back and when i've met previous contestants i've been really surprised how they're not the same as they appeared on tv i have to admit i don't watch it now Mm. i I can't even listen to the music now (laughs) it just sort of sends a few kind of oh because it was such a nerve-wracking time but um (laughs) But I am in touch with lots of bakers from lots of different years. Who it's a lovely community, and my year, we're all very, very close still, mm-hmm. and we talk almost every day on a WhatsApp group. I mean, every day. But yeah, I was myself. I was myself, and I felt like I was being myself. And my friends said, "Oh yeah, you exactly. Yeah, you were exactly you. A bit cheeky." <laughs> and I just had quite a lot of fun. It was quite fun. Well, you made it to the quarterfinals. When people ask me what what week I got to I, I know I can never answer so thanks for answering that because I wouldn't have known that <laughs> so hold that thought then why did you go back because you did the new year one I did and they asked me the year before as well and I said no and then Flem said to me you need you need to get over yourself <laughs> it's just it's not that important and you could just go and have a bit of fun and do you know what that was it was the most fun weekend it was absolutely brilliant because I didn't take it too seriously and and I did I did have time to practice my bakes a bit more also I had lots more experience and yeah it I, I really enjoyed it it was a really brilliant new year's weekend it was fantastic loved it am I right in thinking as well that would have been with Prue and um not Mary with that one? Yeah, that's right. It was with Prue, that's right, yeah. So that was a, a change, because obviously when you did your it, series, it was the lovely Mary, wasn't it? It was, it was. Yeah, it was a change. It was a change. It's a different vibe. But the whole thing's very different, because the contestants were different. I'd met a couple of them before, and I'm still in touch with those contestants that um, were on that show. We did have a lot of fun. Well, there's no point asking you a question that I do tend to ask ex-bake-offs. And that's um, if you were plucked from your series and popped in another, which one would it be? But if you don't watch it, you won't know. I don't know, actually. Pro- probably the first one, because I, d- I did watch that, I mean, a long, long time ago. Um, but I think there was no expectation. So I love the fact that on those ones, there's no kind of fame seekers or... I'm not saying that anybody would be, but they're very. They, you must be very aware now mm. of the public... So when I did it, we didn't. I didn't have a Twitter account, didn't have an Instagram account, had no interest in any of that and no prior knowledge. And it was a bit of a shock because it was the first year that the BBC One picked it up and it was, uh, it was a bit crazy. Seen on YouTube, you did quite a few recipes on Slice and uh, you come over really well. You don't fancy... Oh, I haven't even remembered though. They're still there. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I had a friend who's a TV producer, and he was really keen. That, uh, uh, he was brilliant, actually. He was really lovely, and uh, we filmed quite a few things, and it was it was fun because I knew him. Uh, but I don't really have any desire to be on camera again. Oh, you honestly, I don't, I don't, I don't just say it. You're really a natural. So, um, <laughs> no, it's a shame you don't do That's it. Fine. Do you know what? It's just, I just don't need to. 
and, and there's a lot of pressure when you come out of something like Bake Off, especially in those days because everybody seemed to watch it and um, you're told constantly, oh, you need to make the most of this, you need to make the most of this. And it, it was very, very overwhelming. Um, and I had journalists on my doorstep accusing me of having affairs with Paul Hollywood. I mean, it was people taking photographs in the street and it was just, oh, it was really odd and uncomfortable. Oh, I bet. Did you get any support for that, Kate? They did try, but our year was particularly crazy. I think they weren't expecting. Um, I don't know if anybody remembers, but the year that I was in it was the baked Alaska year where lovely Ian got a bit fed up in the very hot tent on mm. baked Alaska week and threw his baked Alaska in the bin mm. uh, because it melted. But um, the way it was edited made it look like Diana, lovely, gorgeous Diana, took took the um, baked Alaska out of the freezer on purpose and let it sort of melt. In actual fact, it was out for 40 seconds. And so it whipped up a sort of national fury and poor Diana was doorstep. We were all doorstepped. I don't think Love Productions would ever have imagined that would have ever happened. You can't predict those things. And so I think it was crazier than anyone could predict. So the help was... It was there. We had people to talk to, but we didn't, no one really knew what to do. <laughs> mm. I worked with Diana a few years ago. And bless oh, her. she's so lovely. Isn't she lovely? But it, lovely. Aff it affected her, didn't it? She, oh, I can't explain how difficult that was for her. And um, she, she's the most wonderful wonderful it makes me feel so sad when I think about the pain that she went through and and it wasn't Love Productions fault I don't think in the edit they just imagine I don't think they really really I spoke to the series producer and she was amazing and she was devastated genuinely devastated by all of the negative um press that Diana got I mean, she was on the front cover of the sun it was absolutely ludicrous mm. And, and even though it's not real and in retrospect, you're like, it doesn't matter. It was so hard to deal with. And she was a grandmother and yeah. very, very kind. And I just, it was mm. devastating. Mm. She's all right now. She's just, it took its toll. Definitely yeah. took its toll. Yeah. Well, it would because you, you sort of pluck from, I won't use the word obscurity because that's not fair, but just normal life. And then all yeah. of a sudden thrust and uh yeah. yeah she was so she had such a wonderful uh, she was lovely in the tent she was just oh she was lovely she mm. wore nike trainers she was like <laughs> the coolest grandma i've ever met <laughs> and really tall because i'm a, a so shorty tall, yes so tall, yeah because yeah, when we worked together it was at a, a countryside show in wales just over the border where she is in cheshire oh yeah and yeah. uh I, normally, when I hold my microphone and then I sort of look at somebody, I just kept looking <coughs> up. It just kept going up. Incredible. Well, I'm, I don't know how tall you are, but I'm pretty small. And, um, yeah, for me, she's a giant next to me. Well, giant. I'm five foot one and three quarters, Kate. Oh, you see, you, I've beaten you. I'm five foot two and a half. <laughs> I love the three quarters and the half because you have to add that when you're little. <laughs> you do. You do. And the thing is, though, I was five foot one and three quarters, 20 plus years ago i suspect i've lost a lot of that <laughs> yeah me too me too i always wear sort of just 
secret heels in everything. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean, gosh, you're very fit and sylph-like. Do you, do you still run and whatever? I mean, I, I started Zumba last week. Um, did you? I did, and I'm going back again. Yes. That's brilliant. I'm so uncoordinated, I can't do it, but I'll, I'll give it a go. I, I don't do... I don't do really any exercise. Don't tell anyone that. I I um I do a bit of yoga. Ooh. I did a lot of running, but unfortunately, I did. I got long COVID, which was really annoying. And one of the things about long COVID is it quite often it's affected by your adrenals. And my adrenals were very flat. I had it all tested when you throw everything at it when you when you can't get out of bed for seven months. And so running's probably. Running long distances probably isn't the best thing I could do. Mm. So I don't really do it anymore. But I do eat very carefully. Are you, you, that way. Was it low? No, you, was it low carb? Definitely low yeah, sugar. Yeah, I'm generally really low carbohydrate, which suits me. Which means that you need to be really a good cook to be able to enjoy food. So luckily, I have uh, my chef training has helped me in that. But I, yeah, I eat a lot of meat. I eat fruit, which is not so low carb, but it suits me well. And I just don't eat grains, which so I do taste the odd bit of cake, but I can't really have cake anymore. This gives me tummy ache, which is a bit of a shame. <laughs> but I still love making it. <laughs> the lovely Kate Henry from Series 5 of The Great British Bake Off. And another appearance from Harvey, our retriever. Hmm, probably saw a squirrel. Apologies for that. Kate's website is katehenry.co.uk and her Instagram, treaclebakes. Thank you to Kate for joining me and indeed all my guests today. Remind me next week to tell you about a women's support group I've joined. As yes, as always, there's a story. And you do need to remind me because this week, whilst logging on to my pension information, God, it sounds really grown up, doesn't it? I managed to get through the email, I did the password, all that, and then failed miserably when it asked for my memorable word. <laughs> I just couldn't remember it. Oh. As always, love hearing from you, be it via social media or email podcast at theshackbaggerly.co.uk. And if you feel the urge to leave a review, as I always say, please don't fight it. And I do hope you're following or subscribing too, as it does help when I invite guests to join us. So that's it for another week. Thank you for listening and see you next time. Right then, let's write down my new memorable word. And what was it? <laughs>